What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin with Block Bites, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Beyond the Block. And I, I, I could not think of a better team where we're going to get some badass conversation out of uh, than the team from Velodrome Info Token DAO. And joining me today are Pool, Alex, and Tao. What's up, gentlemen? How's everybody doing? Hey, what's up, Austin? Well? Good, man. Good. All right. We're going to figure this out. So I, I, I <laughs> normally I wear a headset and I just went and bought this like, you know, we're trying to level some shit up around here. So I just went and bought a microphone and I'm hoping I have like a sexy radio announcer voice now as opposed Sounds to, I don't, good. It looks I don't good. know about you guys. Like, I, <laughs> I hate hearing myself on camera, man. It just, I, I always think I sound nasally or whatever. So like, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, this is a $200 fix. Anyhow, uh, can we, let's just do some, some introductions real quick. If you could tell us like, you know, maybe a little bit of your history, who you are, what your specific role is at Velodrome and we can, we can go from there. Why don't we go in order pool? You want to, you want to take us off? Yeah, for sure. Um, hey everyone, I'm pool. I'm, uh, the lead solidity dev for, for Velodrome, um, engineer by training and, uh, joined Velodrome through InfoToken. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, I joined InfoToken around, I want to say like May or April of this year. Um, and then, yeah, kind of joined Vida through that and uh, just got, you know, swept into the, uh, the whole ride. Love it. Tao, you want to take it away, buddy? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Tao. I have a background in finance and economics. So uh, when, I, when I joined IT, so I was also a member or... I still am a member of, of InfoToken. I was doing some work, doing some consulting on, on tokenomics, uh, specifically Vodesco tokenomics. Um, and Gaba kind of looked at some of the stuff that I was doing. You know, he was somewhat involved as well. And he invited me to join Vidal, uh, one of our Vidal core team. And Vidal, of course, on basically maximizing the strategy for Solidly. Um, and then from there, we transitioned over to Velodrome, and now I'm part of the core team also at Velodrome, doing a bit of everything now. Um, early on, I was doing also some of the token economics and strategy. Awesome. Alex, take it away, buddy. Yeah, hello. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, so, yeah, I've, uh, I've worn a, a lot of hats in my, my non-crypto life, uh, but in, say, uh, you know, maybe January, February, I was just a, a sort of participant in the uh, in the solidly wars and in VDAO and and all of that that fun stuff and uh, as sometimes happens in the space, the more time I spent in, the more involved I got. Uh, I got pulled into VDAO, you know, was a contributor. Then I got pulled into the core team, and uh, I was sort of there for for that moment where we began to you know realize that solidly was perhaps not going to be the thing that. Uh, you know, so many of us thought it would be. Um, and so we were going, you know, what what do we do next? And so I was there from the, the very start as we began to conceive of what eventually became uh, uh, Velodrome. And uh, yeah, I do a little bit of everything. Um, uh, biz dev, uh, comms, marketing, uh, partnerships, all that sort of fun stuff. Oh my God, we have so much to talk about right now uh so for anyone watching i have a long history with this team uh from from the vdao days 
I mean, kind of up until now. And so, all right, let's start at the beginning. All of y'all mentioned IT, InfoToken DAO, which is a DAO that you all are collectively a part of. There are 100 NFTs, which are essentially your key to get in. Am I, is that correct? Did, did I get the number right? Is there 100? There's a, there's 100 tokens, um, but we also have scouts, or you know, we call them scouts, which are kind of invited members who you know, have demonstrated they have kind of like outstanding talent in crypto. So, you know, we, we know they add value to the group. So, you know, they, they come in and they, they, they hang out anyways in the DAO. We, we still figure in the structure overall, but, you know, they're, they're also basically equal members. They just don't have a token. So overall, so, we're like 125, I would say, or 120. Okay. So you guys, have, you guys have essentially gone out and done some, some recruiting on the market. Basically, exactly. Hey, bring more value, man. So, all right. I remember a while back, um, I was just, I was super curious. It's like, all right, what is this info token DAO thing? And obviously, you know, I popped over to OpenSea just to like go, well, you know, what do these NFTs go for? Like, what are, what's the, what's the entry point here? And I don't know what they're still at, but they were at about 300 grand uh, when I checked it out before. And I'm really interested to know, like, what do you guys do? It's kind of like, you know, one of those private clubs in New York that, you know, you have to be, you have to have some zeros uh, on your, on your bank account to make your way in. So like, what exactly do you guys do? Yeah. So I would say there's, there's three main focuses. One is we participate in early investments for some of the crypto projects. Lately, it's been more quiet on that end. Um, You know, now it's not, perhaps not the most active time uh, in crypto, but that was uh, one, of, one of the key focuses. The second uh, was consulting. We were working with um, and still are working with teams out there, again, in kind of early projects and helping them out with strategy, um, even like giving them some, some um, consulting on, on technical uh, development and whatnot. So we, I mean, that's, a, that's the advantage of having a big group that we have a, a really expansive set of skills between our different members. Um, and I would say that the third one would be incubation of projects. So VDAO was kind of like the, the first major project that we incubated and became something relatively big. And now it's Velodrome. So again, it's sort of like a mix of early investment with consulting that, you know, if you put it together, it's incubation. So it, that, that's sort of like the, the three main focuses that we have. Um, and again, we kind of pull from the different skills from, from the different members to make sure that we are providing a really good service it's sort of like a it's becoming i don't i don't want to see a vc fund but it we we provide the services of what a vc would do but i would say in a a more um kind of native crypto way yeah yeah and actually i'll i'll just mention so i'm not actually a a info token member i'm I'm the the token non-token member i guess uh um, (laughs) on on the team uh although of course we've got a few few folks now on the Velodrome team who, who didn't originate from uh, information token. But I can say that like uh, my experience of uh, info token as kind of an outsider is that like when we worked in the, the VDAO days, right? And as we were beginning to conceive of, of doing something like, uh, like Velodrome, um, we had a network of, you know, like highly skilled, highly trusted, um, highly capable people that, that we could tap into across a variety of functions. So, you know, all the time when a particular need would emerge, um, 
or, uh, you know, we just needed an extra pair of hands, you know, you could just hit up some of the information token folks, they would go into their network. Um, these are all folks who have relationships, trust one another, you know, people would pop in, contribute, pop out. Uh, so it was really, really amazing to see it kind of up close and personal. And I mean, I think obviously VDAO would have never happened with information token because, you know, that was born of information token. But I also think like uh, Velodrome, you know, there's no way we would have been able to like pull in that many trusted resources to uh, scale a product as, as quickly as we did. Um, and it just tends to have a lot of awesome people in it. Um, you know, I've really, really enjoyed working with everybody who's, who's come out of that, that group. Yeah, that's a good you, point. And to, to add to it just a bit, you know, also on, on the kind of like a VDAO trajectory, you know, I was one of the people that was perhaps not as involved in VDAO early on. Um, but again, I was, I was pulled in into the team based on the work that I was doing on, on consulting. And, and Pull Types, you know, he's the, the lead dev at, at Velodrome and he's also one of the scouts at, at IT. So, you know, it was, we've been finding kind of talent from, from the overall um, DAO. And at, at some points also, we even uh, raised a bit of funds from, from the DAO as we were going. I mean, just a small amount, but it was a, we knew we had that network there available um, and, you know, that we could uh, get, get some support as needed. And you guys have a couple of well-known members uh, in there. Zach, Zach is one of your members, right? Zach XBT. I think pretty much everyone on Twitter follows him because he just, he's a workhorse. I don't know if he has a team got behind him or what the yeah. deal is, but like he's cranking out content, this guy, man. Yep. And, uh, you know, Gabba became pretty famous recently too, I got to say, uh, for different <laughs> reasons that we're going to get into. But... But Gabagool, now he was he one of the founding members of IT? Yeah, he he was a yeah. founding the founder of IT. Okay. So right. yeah, Good. I think we can repuff the the bandaid the, the Gabba bandaid. <laughs> he he was a founder. Um, unfortunately, Zach left as well. Um, maybe he okay. knew something that we didn't know early on, but he left. Uh, I would say like a month ago. Um, but yeah, we we have a few other kind of. Uh, Big with big Twitter presences, like I don't know if you follow Carnation, Fubar, um, and just generally people that maybe are not as present on Twitter, but they have uh, you know an astounding trajectory. Uh, we, we just got a guy yesterday, I mean, Pool Types is a, a genius, I would say, and then <laughs> we got a guy who has like a top 30 Dijon score, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so so we've we've got it. And uh, one day, Andre loses his mind and says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release this software. It's going to have a stable AMM, uh, variable AMM. There's going to be inbuilt bribing. Uh, you can only get fees for the pools that you vote for. And I am going to give these V, he you know, puts out his VE33 article uh, to which everyone got super excited. Danny was involved at that time, right? So it was going to be like, <laughs> the two messiahs, right? That's, you know, which I've come to realize that, that if anyone's raising up a messiah, you may want to <laughs> think twice about getting on that train. But, but so you got, you got Andre and Danny over here and then <clears throat> Sifu gate hits and, you know, just being in the background, I've, I've met Danny, I've met Andre. I met both of them at the phantom developer conference in Abu Dhabi. I didn't spend a hell of a lot of time with either of them, but I did get the, the impression that, 
Danny's happy being out front and Andre was not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was kind of going to be the relationship. Right. And, and, uh, you know, Sifu, that whole shit happened with Wonderland and Danny went dark uh, and Andre had to distance himself from that. And it just kind of became the Cronier show after that. And so the, what had happened was Andre came out and said, okay, I'm going to give these VE33 NFTs, which were essentially solidly tokens that were locked, which gave them voting power to direct emissions to initially it was the top 20 TVL protocols on Phantom, which looking back, I think I can, I get his rationale, right? He was, he was about to get a shitload of people to bridge funds, mercenary or not over to the Phantom network and enter VDAO. So, all right, T where where did this all come about? Who brought the VDAO idea into existence, and and what was that execution like? Because I got some stories I want to share with you guys too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can I can walk through it at a high level. So, I mean, I think it was basically born uh, of an idea of a of an information token member uh, Nick, um, and I think the, the basic idea was you know. They've announced this new AMM, and of course, that's the that's the moment where everybody is is very excited about about the the potential model. Uh, but they've taken a slightly different approach, right, in in the distribution of initial ownership of, of this AMM and targeting it just at those those top twenty five protocols. So there really isn't a mechanism, certainly not a very direct mechanism for you know retail uh, participation. Uh, in the initial sort of launch of, of solidly. But the rules are pretty clear, right? As long as you are in that top 10 or top 25 TVL, uh, you will get a BENFT. Um, and so why don't we basically spin up a DAO? The entire purpose of that DAO is to attract enough TVL in order to secure a portion of that initial BENFT. And then really, it's just going to be up to the DAO what, uh, what we do with it, right? Um, you know, it could be that the DAO sells it, right? And there are people saying, let's just sell it right away, right? Let's take that money, distribute it to all the, the uh, weave token holders. It could be that the DAO manages it, right? And sort of plays the solidly wars. Um, it could be more like uh, farming as a service, right? Where there's some sort of staking mechanism and you're earning you know, whatever that BENFT is, is generating. And so while I think maybe initially uh, it, they weren't quite sure, you know, what the DAO would end up doing with the voting control uh, it procured, it did give retail sort of a direct access, direct ability to participate uh, in solidly. And of course, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly. We got one of the largest BENFTs, um, then put forward sort of a DAO proposal and the DAO proposal was basically like, Hey, rather than just getting out now, let's actually play this, right? Like, let's play this out. Let's, let's see if we can sort of grow our solidly voting position. Let's see if we can sort of support the network, right? There's a lot of opportunity here. And so that's the direction that the DAO took. Uh, and then of course the, the wheels really started, uh, coming off collectively for solidly there. And so uh, we, we kept playing, right? And, and I think we played the, the best hand we could, but we can get into that. <laughs> oh, my God. Any, either of you guys want to say anything before I just rip into this? 
because <laughs> this was this was such a moment in my life to watch all this happen. So, all right. So, uh, yeah, the only metric that was being used to obtain one of these uh, VE33 NFTs was TBL. And so the thinking was, we're going to launch a very high APY farm and bring TVL over, right? That's essentially what you guys did. And within like, what, 48 hours, you had $2 billion or $2.5 billion running through your MasterChef, right? Yeah. And uh, so so clearly you're, when you said, you know, we have some connections at IT, you had some connections, right? Because that was a massive (laughs) amount of money to bridge over. And so when this is all going on, I am down in Miami at uh, the North American Bitcoin Conference. It's me, my wife. Bebus and the Byte Masons are there, a whole crew, and we're all just kind of like, you know, you don't get in person with crypto people that often, so it was kind of a, a thing for us. You know, we had like a rooftop party. We did some cool shit. Anyhow, I digress. So I am, I get a, uh, a Discord message from two, two of the founding members of, of my Discord, Crypto Boy and uh, Triangular, who I trust, like great guys. And they said, hey, will you be on this, this multi-sig uh, for these guys? And I trust them. So, yeah, sure. You need to put me on a multi-sig. Fine. I'll jump on there. No problem. And that's when everyone lost their fucking mind. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> when, <laughs> so I get put on this multi-sig and I immediately, I mean, within, I don't know, 15 minutes of the announcement, get a telegram message from Mike Chen. Do you guys know who Mike is? You probably do. Like if you were in there. So he's the old CMO of Phantom. He's a young kid. He's mm. I think he's 23. But he was a CMO uh-huh. of Phantom for a while like it was as it was up and coming. They call him an evangelist now. You know, I don't I don't know what actually happened. What I make up is the dude cashed in heavily and stepped out, right? But anyhow, so I digress again. Uh, so I get hit up by him going wait a second, hold on, this might be a scam. And I'm going, what the fuck did I get roped into here? Like, I'm just trying to enjoy a nice Miami vacation with my wife. And so anyhow, <laughs> we, we, all, we all jump in a Telegram chat with you guys and the multi-sig is set up and he's like, wait a second, it's a three of four multi-sig and uh, you know, there's only four of you guys so they could effectively bypass you. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? So... <laughs> So I, I hit up uh, Sid from Spirit Swap. One of the fa- I'm like Sid, yeah. come over here. Just just get on this multi sig with us. Uh, so that way we have you know a guarantee. They got to get one non team person to sign off, which he yeah. graciously did. And yeah. I have never like I've regretted a lot of things in crypto, but I felt really bad about asking him to be on this multi sig because that set off a trajectory of people shitting on Spirit Swap, uh, which we haven't really gotten into the story as to what went down yet, but I think we're, we're about to. So, all right. So I'm sitting in the hard rock in Fort Lauderdale. It was like a vacation trip. Bebus was there like six of the bite masons. We had the guys from tarot were there and Rob from revest. And we just had, you know, a a co-mingling of crypto people. And Bebus walks up to me and he goes, he says, scream in ear, you're about to vamp attack the VDAO guys. And I'm going, <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now? And he's, yeah, they're going to launch OxDAO and uh, essentially try and suck liquidity out of them. Now, at this point, if you were to pause the scene and go, what's the real problem here? Well, you know, we had, 
we had uh, Iron Bank, we had Abracadabra, we had all these non-native phantom projects that were coming over and pumping TVL on the chain to do exactly what yeah. you guys were doing. But for some reason, yeah. they made you the enemy, right? Yeah. And and so, you know, OxDAO gets launched. And <laughs> that week is when I watched the beautiful phantom community crack in half. I watched yeah. it all change. And it changed... Yeah. On, yeah. a, on like a world stage as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because yeah. that was when, you know, everything, it felt like everything we had built until that point, the come on over and be a part of what we're doing community uh, became publicly just shit all over. And, and mm-hmm. like, I always, I always knew that there was like a faction of our community that was just kind of shitty and childish and they're probably sexually repressed and their mother didn't love them. <laughs> they, they like to, you know, just, they like to just be shitty, uh, but it had never come out publicly and, and, and it got put on full display. Uh, yeah. How, like, what was y'all's experience with, with that time? Yeah. I mean, I mean, one thing I'll say, because I, I remember, and, and again, I, I had started, right? I was just a participant, right, um, in some of this. And I, I slowly started to get more into to VDAO. Uh, but I remember the, the big narrative, right, that was thrown at, at VDAO. And, and I think, um, you know, if you're being charitable, very uh, misunderstood ways or maybe very disingenuous ways was what you described, right? Th- these mm-hmm. are ETH whales here to here to come in, here to, you know, uh, maybe at best extract all that value, right? And move it, move it off of Phantom, or at worst to scam, right? That this that this will totally be a scam, right? And it's so funny having been on the inside, not being a whale, not really <laughs> even meeting too many ETH whales, you know, in the context of this that like all the discussions, you know, in, in BDAO were always about kind of what I described as the original, you know, mission, which was how do we make, you know, participation in, in solidly something that is accessible to all? You know, what do we do? What's the best thing we can do for our community with this BDNFT? And so I think like that sort of frame got cast on, on BDAO. And I think uh, Phantom became very PVP, very fast. And so I think a lot of hostility initially came um, from OxDAO. And we ended up getting to know some of the OxDAO people really, really well. And we knew it wasn't the whole team because we had a great relationship, continue to have a great relationship with some of those folks. But certain members on that team, you know, put out some really nasty stuff in that sort of vamp war. And I think the vamp war was, you know, like fair enough to to an extent. They they were doing the same thing, you know, we were doing, which was, you know, providing a different mechanism by which folks could participate in the system. Uh, but then I think you watched uh, what happened to to Oxdow, which is then every single partner in the context of of that group then turning against each other and having folks like Scream actually like dump on their own project, right? Um, so many of the things that I think um, VDAO initially got accused of, or, or we, we said we would be the folks to rug, you know, we would be the folks just to extract all the value out of solidly and, and move on. 
I think we saw that actually happen from the folks who were the loudest about saying we were going to do that. There might have been a little bit of projection there. You know, we never dumped on, on our holders. You know, we never deposited a BENFT for, for exit liquidity and, and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty wild. But yeah, Tao, cool. I'm curious for, for your recollections of those days too. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of factors got together. I mean, the, the very fact that Solidly ended up having a, a bunch of cracks in its, um, in its mechanics, of course, uh, amplified the effect, right? There was already a lot of infighting and all of a sudden you're dealing with a protocol that um, you know, has a, a doubtful future. Um, plus, uh, you know, a lot of people tried to build on top of it. You know, we had SolidX and Noxdow building kind of like the convex layer which, you know, accentuated even more. It added another layer of stuff that, may, that was perhaps not working as, as intended. So all of a sudden you have a lot of stress. The, the Phantom ecosystem uh, had the limelight on it, um, but at the same time, even the Phantom network was having trouble. So it, everything just kind of, I would say the stress levels went way, way up. We were just trying to do our, our thing, which was kind of maximize the value, as Alex mentioned, to, to weave. I mean, it, especially since we had so much of the attention, right? We were specifically really careful in every move that we made. Um, you know, we, when, when we realized that Salali was not going to have uh, kind of like the future that everybody expected, we started making some moves to diversify away from it. Um, and of course, we were really criticized early on. But later it turned out it was it was the right move. But any time that we wanted to do something like that, we would have to be very careful about the optics of it as well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we feel sorry as well for all the people that had worked so far on building the, the Phantom ecosystem and, and kind of preparing for that moment where people would come over to the network and then having that kind of result with, with Solidly and everything that happened after that. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially because we, we also saw the potential, right? Like we, we saw solidly really had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of really good ideas behind it. And, you know, also why we ended up deciding to do to launch Realodrome. We, we knew it had potential. So it was just really unfortunate that perhaps yeah. everything felt like it was uh, really sped up, right? And, and perhaps rushed too much from, from the code itself to everything that, you know, the perhaps the launching mechanism, the timing of it, it was also, you know, past the peak of this, the cycle. So it was sort of, we were already coming down, which had perhaps also some, some pressure on it. So it was so many factors that, that came together and really made it a me messy experience for everybody involved. Um, but yeah, yes, as Alex mentioned, we're, we're now speaking with many of the teams from Phantom that are moving over to Optimism now and collaborating with them and trying to make now a new type of uh, a foundation on optimism. Yeah, I think a lot of that toxicity really just came from a single point. I'm not going to call anyone out, but it, <laughs> it really did come from a single point. And that single point actually came back to me about two weeks later and said, man, I really regret the way that I handled that, which was nice. Mm -hmm. It was nice to hear because it's somebody who yeah. I know. I've met in person. I've talked to him considerably over the phone, I, you know, but online persona doesn't always match offline persona sorry pool did you want to jump in on that man no no i mean i think the other two covered it really well and you know i, I think you know me personally like i, I like to stay out, out of the drama and stuff but you know i, I think um yeah it, you know just uh, just the way like um 
you know, I think the whole situation was happening sort of and being framed like from the outside versus like, you know, me, me kind of seeing what was happening in the inside. Um, yeah, I can just attest that it was like a, a totally different narrative, I think, that was like being built um, outside versus versus what was actually going on. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Tao put it really well, you know, like obviously like if we're going to go, you know, launch VDAO, create this like farming as a service project um for solidly like you know obviously like we have to be invested um you know in the in the in the project we obviously had to have thought it was like a you know a good idea um and i think a lot of um you know especially when we decided to you know build build velodrome go back and like really really study andre's mechanics and sort of like um his his motivations behind everything um you know, I think a lot of those uh, issues were like really, really uh, meaningful to solve, right? Like, I think at the time, um, you know, the I, I think like Olympus, uh, you know, proof, uh, the the protocol on liquidity was like a, a pretty hot trend. And then, um, you know, I think some protocols tried it out. And then, you know, it's, it's also pretty hard to kind of like bootstrap that, that mechanism. Um, and I think like, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of being able to to bribe for liquidity was still pretty hot, but, um, you know, we had a lot of people just like overpaying for it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was, you know, just, just overall, like a, a pretty interesting way to just sort of like try to attack all these different problems, um, with like one project. And, um, yeah, it, it was definitely something that, uh, you know, we just wanted, um, to, to kind of like create the opportunity for, you know, like non phantom native, uh, participants to, to get involved, which, you know, I think is always a good thing. Yeah. I actually want to dive into that a little deeper with you in a second, uh, because you brought up a couple of good points that I think we, we definitely need to hit on. So when all this was going on, you know, there's a weird, I don't really know how to put it. I guess you could call it human nature, but it seems to be amplified in, in crypto where people, they like being a part of a group. Right. And, and I don't know whether, uh, the leader of this group knew what he was doing ahead of time or just kind of panned out this way. But, you know, you, like the United States is famous for never letting a good enemy go to waste. Uh, and because, <laughs> you know, it tends to bond your people together. And and for whatever yeah. reason, they, they put that target on you guys. And subsequently, they put it on me and they put it on Spirit Swap. Um, and what ended up, I, I was just getting lambasted by people. And I'm like, guys, I'm just a signer on their multi-sig. They're like, accusing me of you know getting a million dollars from you guys uh, one oh time your DAO voted to give me some tokens <laughs> I and i i told y'all to keep them but you know yeah, what ended up did. happening yeah. so i was in a discord with with all the big projects on phantom not all but most of your the names you guys know right and uh including spirit and this is when the idea came down to start ox DAO, and it was really only a couple of parties but if if you were a part of it, you, you were either going to be a part of it or conspicuously excluded. That's basically the way that it was going to go. And mm -hmm. uh, they excluded Spirit to their face. They said, you guys can't play. Like, you're not invited to my birthday uh, because wow. you're on. Yeah. Now, in, in all defense, uh, in all, all fairness, maybe I want to say, I, I think some parties due to competition or whatever the case may be, were looking for a reason to exclude yeah. Spirit. And... Uh, sure. We gave it to them by, you know, I'm close to those guys. So that's who I reached out to, to go on the multi-sig with you. Yeah. But in the midst of this, so you guys know Geist. I assume you know Geist. It's like an mm -hmm. Ave fork on Phantom. 
that's just shady as shit. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, and uh, they went and launched Blizz over on, I, I think, Avalanche. And mm-hmm. when Luna crashed, the Oracle couldn't keep up. And somebody played the Oracle and basically emptied the coffers. And they just launched uh, Radiant over on Arbitrum, I think. And like at Genesis, minted themselves 20 million tokens that they didn't tell anyone about and started Ooh. farming it. And like all this shit's going on, right? So this is that team that just, it feels... There's just no way for it not to feel shady as shit. So, but when Mike hit me up, when Chen hit me up in the back of my mind, it was Chen was always involved there somewhere. We knew he was on the multi-signers, but he was just always involved there somewhere. And uh, so, you know, I started thinking, you know, he's probably got some motivation to like come after these VDAO guys. And then we come to find out that this domain grapes.finance got uh, registered even before you know, Andre mm-hmm. uh, released the the Medium article, and then they yeah. merged in with Solidex, which is almost like I have no proof of this, but it just felt like Geist. Uh, yeah. And you know, so there was just a whole bunch of weird, weird shit uh, going on in the background that, you know, for better or worse, took the wind out of my sails uh, for for yeah. the Phantom community at that time. Yeah, I think you hit it really well. I like there. There is sometimes this feeling that I get um, in the crypto space where it it becomes about it's basically like sports teams, right? You've got these people um, organized into these communities and they are rooting so hard for their sports team. And of course, in sports, it is zero sum. You know, you're either going to win or you're going to lose. And um, Phantom. Uh, at that time, and I, I still sometimes get this sense that it, that it is very much like a rah-rah, go my team. I can't look at anything critical about what's going on on the network. Like I can't engage uh, meaningfully with, with other networks or look at this stuff sort of rationally because that would mean I would need to like do some introspection or, or bring some critical feedback or sort of stuff like that. But that stuff is just killer if if your um actual goal is to to be the best and of course if your goal is the bigger one that i think we all share which is to take on centralized finance right to take on these big challenges and uh that that is absolutely like a a certain ethos that that bugs the shit out of me and i think it was kind of contrary to what andre was trying to do with with solidly right um he was trying to build an ecosystem public good that would only work if the ecosystem engaged with it um, in meaningful ways, right? He had the idea of downvotes in there. So when the whole like Roosh, you know, thing happened, his expectation, what, what he hoped is that the ecosystem would step up and, and squash him. Um, and nobody did that, you know, and there's a little bit of mechanism design, you know, I think that that downvote mechanism maybe was a bit flawed, but I think you actively saw the ecosystem reject solidly, right? Increasingly projects who were given BE NFTs were uh, either like OTC, like like selling them, dumping them into OxDAO, dumping all of the, the OXL they got and just like moving those funds out. But like it was rejected. And um, that has been one thing that's felt very different on you know, on the optimism side, and I'm sure we can get to this in time, is that uh, 
Velodrome's success over there is very much born of the ecosystem embracing it, right? Seeing the value in it, wanting to participate uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And that comes from, I think that more like, like holistic, positive sum uh, thinking that like, if we all participate in the system, we're all going to do better versus like this PVP kind of uh, feeling that I think really started to emerge exactly what you described it, it fractured the whole ecosystem fractured and it's really never, never come back from that. Yeah, unfortunately, it did. And, you know, you reminded me of something when you brought up Rouge, because I kind of forgot about that. But so we were doing, oh, man, it, our, well, it was episode 25. We ended up doing 50. This was episode 25 of Phantom Unchained. Just before this episode, Bebus, you know, he got a VE NFT, right, for Reaper mm-hmm. Farm. Uh, but they didn't have a token yet. And so he created two tokens. One was called Pain in the, and the other one was called Ass Tax, right? Pain in the Ass Tax. And he just put one token in each, you know, each side of the pool and he farmed his own solidly. And, uh, you know, later on digging in with him, I found out that like, yo, the, all the developers on the ecosystem suddenly had to pivot to go after this goddamn NFT. Uh, and they really didn't have a choice. And so they had to direct all of their support that way. And, yeah. uh, that pissed off Andre, like to no end. it was, I think it was one of the catalysts, you know, yeah. to him leaving and, 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 yeah. you know, Bebas said on the show, he said, you know, don't, don't ever meet your heroes. Cause you might be disappointed. And, <laughs> and we had, we were kind of critical on that show. Like I called solidly a little bit clunky and blah, 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 blah. And I hit Andre up after the show. I said, Hey dude, do you want to come on next week and like chat? And he went, are you kidding me? Like he, he laid in. He's like, all you guys ever do is shit on the foundation. Anyhow, mm. things things got weird at that point because we were their premiere show where the community was coming to meet every week, and it just yeah. got it just got really really funky. And and honestly, yeah. like Andre and I never reconciled after that. Uh, and mm. and I, it really, that's when the thoughts started coming in my head. It might be time to to exit. Uh, this ecosystem because yeah. if if the main guy and i don't care what anyone says andre's the main guy at phantom uh still is always will be uh if that if the main guy is not supportive of what i'm doing for free i'm out mm-hmm. dude later yeah so <laughs> that was a weird time for me man but all right so vdow tell what was wrong with solidly can can somebody break down like the few things in there that just just cracked it enough that it wouldn't work aside from Andre rugging us. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can, um, yeah. He's, he's the well, guy for that. that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, I, I think like, as we saw it, you know, sort of play out. Um, I mean, of course there's like a ton of, of good things, which we can also dive into later. And uh, you know, when we talk about velodrome and, and it's fixes, we try to like amplify those, but you know, I think, I think there's maybe like two main sort of issues um, maybe, maybe three, but um, you know, I think one was, uh, mostly around like the distribution. Like, I think, um, you know, as we like studied the mechanism, we sort of realized that, um, in solidly you have, I guess, like three main stakeholders, right? You have like traders, um, who are trying to, you know, participate in price discovery. You have LPs who, um, you know, in solidly's case aren't actually earning any trading fees. And so they need the, the emissions and, you know, they're, they're kind of paying with, uh, impermanent loss. 
um, or I guess like volatility in this case. And then, um, and then the third is the voter, right? And like their whole, uh, you know, kind of game is to, you know, basically try to forecast uh, volatility, right? And, um, you know, basically just vote for the pools that they think are going to earn the most fees. Um, and then, you know, they usually need to, you know, buy the, uh, the VNFT and, and make sure that like that, you know, decision is, is kind of profitable, right? And so I think in the end state of, of solidly, what was supposed to happen is like all three of these uh, parties, you know, they'd all kind of like try to be more and more profitable. And, um, you know, somehow the protocols emissions would sort of end up with uh, the pools that are generating the most fees and, and have the highest volume, right? And there'd be this nice equilibrium um, between all these pools, uh, which, which you know, kind of solves like the whole, you know, how do you incentivize liquidity and like properly pay for it for a DEX? Um, and, you know, obviously like that, that, that didn't really end up happening um, for a couple of reasons. You know, I think one was uh, the distribution, the initial distribution for Solidly, I think, um, might not have been done the best with like an airdrop, right? Like I think, um, you know, when you uh, give everyone, you know, this, this you know, kind of massive amount of uh, ENFTs, you know, before the, the protocols even started, um, you, you sort of dramatically lower like the, the cost of any voter, right? Like all of a sudden they don't really have a cost of doing business. They can kind of just like, mm. you know, uh, vote for any pair and like for them it, it won't really cost anything right and so there's sort of that kind of like initial kind of issue um, and of course you need to airdrop a little bit just to get everyone bought in and stuff like that but I think the initial amount was just like way too high and you know due to the the sort of like VE33 mechanism I think um, it also created this like uh, sort of like centralizing effect right where um, you know the people who you know really kind of took up a lot of the voting power in the first two weeks, all of a sudden didn't really have to continue buying into the system uh, after those two weeks, right? And, and similarly, anyone who wanted to buy in maybe like three, four weeks um, after the uh, the protocol was launched, uh, their costs were all of a sudden way higher to, to match like the, the voting power of like the early voters. I think the second thing was, um, you know, this, uh, this kind of like exploit or, or sort of like, uh, you know, mechanism kind of trick that that uh you know folks ended up um kind of uh gravitating towards which is uh creating these sort of dummy pools and and just voting for your own pairs right and um you know i'm sure like that that obviously isn't what, what andre intended the the protocol to be used for um but what ended up happening is you know it almost became like this this optimal play that you just had to do otherwise you know the people who were doing it would would dilute you right and and um you know we, we sort of saw that and um, you know, saw that the kind of like the end state of uh, solidly was sort of shifting towards um, something that really wasn't like the intended end state. Um, and so I, I'd say that was kind of like the, the second main issue. Yeah. And then I think the third so, is actually, um, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, just like one more comment. You know, I think the third is, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, less technical and, and less like, you know, mech design related and, and more just about like the sort of overall like positioning and, um uh, I guess like, yeah, like the, almost like the product market fit of like the, the product and like the ecosystem. Right. Cause I think, um, you know, the, the product of solidly is really good for, you know, kind of like bootstrapping these like initial early, uh, ecosystems. Right. And like, I think at the time, even though phantoms like obviously a lot earlier than the mainnet Ethereum, um, you know, it, it, it already had like a bunch of these protocols on there. Right. There was like 
you know, multiple DEXs, um, you know, a bunch of different types of protocols on there. Um, and I think like, you know, all of them had like sort of already figured out like some of their own liquidity mechanisms or like incentives mechanisms. Um, and they're, you know, for Solidly to be successful, I think you kind of need to have like uh, a constant stream of like new participants, new protocols that like want to buy into the broader ecosystem um, and uh, and do so by like, you know, paying voters the bribes, being able to direct some of their own emissions and, and so on. Um, and I think for uh, Phantom, like it was already kind of, um, you know, maybe like past that window. And so we sort of saw just like a lot more opportunity um, with optimism. Excellent explanation. And, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking, so the experience on Phantom is as tough as it was and maybe as shitty as it might have been at times, I would imagine in your current iteration with Velodrome, you guys are pulling back and able to look at a lot of those mistakes that were made by other people or in the original iteration of Solidly and say, oh, we know how to do this correctly this time. So we're going to deploy in in this way so we don't we don't repeat those mistakes. Is that, am I accurate in saying that? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I'd even say, you know, Andre described, you know, solidly as, you know, like pre-alpha or, you know, something like that, that, you know, like any good crypto uh, protocol, uh, this was the, the beginning of, of an experiment and um, something that was going to require a, a great deal of like learning and iteration and I think like our value prop was as like VDAO initially, right? Was that we were there from day one, right? Um, we understood the protocol in and out, you know, there's been this big question of whether or not the, the uh, front loaded emissions was an intentional or not. But of course mm -hmm. it was a member of our team that called it out to Andre prior to the launch, sort of saying like, Hey, dude, I don't think you're meaning to do this, right? It's right. Like, that's how deep in the weeds of the protocol we were. Then we got to watch the experiment play out in real time. Uh, I think we were constantly sort of keeping a mental inventory of, of what we needed to do. But when it came time for us to sort of like sit down and go pen to paper, we could just look at, okay, here are the things that worked really well, right? Here are the mechanisms that still hold a lot of promise. Here are the things that need to be adjusted. For instance... Yeah, that emission schedule, uh, many people predicted what would happen, uh, which was a big boom and then a bust. And most of the forks, right, most of those that uh, sort of did a solidly fork went with the same emission schedule. Some of them we even talked to and we told them, we don't think he intended this. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do, right? They went with it anyways. Um, like we were able to fix that. We were able to look at the fact that absent, you know, an Andre you know, Forex, you know, massive sort of volume future product that the fees were just too low, right? Um, and so we were able to like dial the fees up uh, slightly. And so we were able to basically take everything. Well, and of course the bribes were completely broken, which is a, a whole whole other thing. And if the bribes don't work on something like this, the, the whole flywheel won't work. So we were able to take all of this, right? Some things that we tweaked, some things that we just like fixed bugs, um, bring it over to an ecosystem that to Pool's point, we thought had a much better product market fix. Optimism described their biggest obstacle to growth being uh, depth of uh, liquidity for you know, all of these projects like Synthetics and, and Thales and, and Lyra and Polynomial who are you know, building projects with real utility. 
they didn't have a hundred DEXs yet, you know, like the, the Phantom Network did. They needed one just really great one uh, that could do this. And so, yeah, we just said, this model has promise. And that was also a moment where I think people were looking at solidly as it's a failed experiment, right? It's not going to be a curve competitor. It's not going to be a Uniswap competitor. It has no sort of product market fit within the broader DEX world. And we were, we were like, no, we don't actually think the experiment's been run yet, right? <laughs> you need a working version of this model to actually test it. And I think what, of course, you, you've seen with, with uh, Velodrome so far, of course, we're still very much in the early days, though, is that we are running, you know, well ahead of, of Curve and uh, Uni and TVL, uh, way ahead of Curve on, on volume. Um, we're neck and neck with Uni often on, on volume as well. And so we think Andre had the next gen AMM that he thought he had. It just needed some more work, which, of course, if he had stuck around, I think he probably would have done, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think if he would if he would have stuck around, we probably could have gotten some iterations on this thing and resurrected it. And so you guys like hearing you talk about that, it, it's not lost on me that, you know, you guys saw something that I think the greater crypto ecosystem just wasn't seeing yet. And you took a huge risk, like banking your horse on this idea that we hadn't seen it be successful yet. But we had seen some errors in the iteration that you guys knew that you could turn around and fix. And I would say just from, you know, an outsider's perspective looking in, you guys are doing a damn fine job of that thus far. Uh, wasn't there, there was some, I remember hearing some sort of way that you could vote, get your bribes, and then switch your vote on the original Solidly platform. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I think, yeah, like what people were doing was, uh, yeah, I mean, so so yeah, there's a couple of things going on there. Like one, uh, you know, a lot of those um, those bribes would be uh, sort of streamed, right? And it was almost like you know, someone puts in a bribe, then you start voting for it, and um, and then you just start collecting the bribe, right? And and you know that that's great and all that, but you know, obviously, once you switch the vote, your vote for the first one kind of like you know it, it doesn't really like register anymore, and then or, or at, at least it you know gets diluted. Um, and then, you know, once the epoch flips, like all of a sudden you could have voted for like every pool and collected all, every bribe. And, um, you know, the, the, the poor voter out there who's like, you know, dedicated to this one pool is just like totally getting diluted. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the VE33 model is kind of novel. And I think it's something that probably is going to be awesome. I know the spirit guys actually just grabbed onto the same thing, which is, you know, vote escrow is your VE. And then three, three is the old, you know, the Omis, uh, which is basically lock stake compound, um, rebase, all of that stuff. But, but essentially the VE three, three model as it relates to velodrome is that if let's say in week one, I get, you know, a hundred Vela tokens, lock them up every epoch when that changes, the amount that I have is going to rebase. It's going to be more based upon tokens locked versus tokens in circulation. Is that correct? Like some some mathematical equation within that and, and emissions and things of that nature? Yeah, exactly. And and maybe, uh, you know, related, the, what VE33 allows is um, this sort of permanent model of, of always having emissions on the protocol without uh, overly diluting 
people that have locked their tokens. Um, if you think about how most DEXs used to work and perhaps most of them still work is you can incentivize liquidity providers through the emissions of tokens directly. Um, and usually they have some sort of schedule where they emit tokens early on. Um, those emissions start coming petering out. They go straight to the, the LPs. Um, some of them have some sort of governance mechanism, but many of them are just kind of like strategic emissions based on what liquidity pools they think would be, would have the most impact. It'll be more centralized by the team. Um, and, but if you have a sort of like limited schedule of emissions, then the tokens are out there. And, you know, some of those tokens accrue fees if you stake them, but, you know, some, some don't even accrue fees. So, so there's not like a really a, a reason to hold those tokens after they've been emitted. So it's, it's a, sort of a game of chicken of who can get them and get rid of them as, as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And what this mechanism allows is um, kind of like a, a reason to recycle the tokens, right? Get them, lock them back. Uh, try to get yield, or even if you don't want to get that yield or you don't want to lock it, you can sell them out because people will know there's value to them. Because if you lock them, you can get all the fees that for the pools that you vote for, 100% of the fees go to, to the voters of that pool um, and, and the bribes. So you have this kind of like neat recycling of value where if you farm the tokens or if you acquire the tokens, you then have the option to lock them and sort of be the the owner of the protocol's cash flow, right? The fees and the bribes. And as, as Poole mentioned, this kind of gives uh, a nice set of tools for, for, for a few different players. You know, traders get the, the low slippage of pools with a lot of liquidity. Um, you have liquidity providers that are getting these emissions that do have some value because again, they, these are tokens that can be locked. Uh, and then you have the lockers who are getting all the fees from the pools they vote for and all the bribes, which um, are, you know, bribes themselves are a great mechanism for a new protocol. Let's say, you know, you're launching your protocol on Optimism, perhaps your token is well, not well known um, and you want to get, you, you want to get liquidity, you have some funds, um, you have, you want your token to kind of be held by, by your, your uh, user base. So what you can do is you, you can come in and bribe your pool um, you know, you provide, you know, we've seen that for every dollar that people bribe, they usually get two or three times as much value in emissions. And in fact, right now we have a, a program where we match part of their, their bribe. So you end up getting like a factor of four or five per every dollar of bribe you put in. Um, so all of a sudden, instead of just emitting your token for your liquidity pool, you can bribe and get three or four times as much. Uh, in terms of, you know, dollar terms of, of, of emissions going to your pool. So you get a, an extra boost on your liquidity. Um, and it's a great way to bootstrap your, the liquidity for your token and maintain it, right? Because you can continue to bribe every week. Or if you have protocol-owned liquidity, you can, again, bribe, get a lot of emissions going to your pools, farm those emissions and lock them again. And now you will become a voter and you can continue voting for your pool so that's what creates these wars, right? Because if everybody wants to, you know, farm and acquire, um, you know, you, you have this competition for who can get the most vote power so that you can continue voting for your pools, uh, which is a nice, me nice mechanism because it also sustains the value of the token and the value of the token, again, kind of incentivizes the liquidity. So there is, and it is actually kind of fun as well to vote every week 
um, you know, kind of strategize around like, okay, where should I vote? We as a team even like speak about our personal kind of positions and, and VEV love, like, oh, who did you vote for this week? And then we see the results. Yeah. So it's, it is fun to kind of compete around like who's getting the most yield um, and just kind of vote around every week. And again, you have new players coming in sometimes <laughs> that, you know, new protocols launching and in this case on optimism. Um, that come in, bribe, and now it's a strategy of whether you even want to get their tokens so you can farm the emissions that are going to their to their pools. Um, so again, it's a, kind of like a neat mechanism that gives tools for protocols to build up liquidity really, really quickly and brings back value to lockers in a really direct way every week. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll, I'll just underscore there is, you know, one of the most novel aspects of this, right, is in... Andre's first article is that rather than the sort of fees generated by the protocol, like in the case of Curve, um, being distributed amongst all the lockers, right? The fees generated only go to the voters of that specific pool. And this design is one that uh, really gears it towards protocols, right? Because a protocol, let's just say synthetics, mm -hmm. who needs deep liquidity on like a SUSD, USDC pair, they are able to accumulate below, lock it, vote for that pool and earn a massive sort of share of the fees. And if, if synthetics, right, and the ecosystem around synthetics, like, uh, like Lyra, um, like Bailey's, um, uh, like Alin, right, if they are all voting for that and all of their economic activities running through that pool, We've seen fee APRs alone for voting basically at the like 100% level. So these uh, protocols have the ability to build basically millions in, in TBL and be earning in fees the cost basis, you know, associated with uh, the underlying, you know, cost of, of building that position. And when you compare that um, to bribing on curve, or the other way, many protocols are incentivizing liquidity at times. Um, on optimism right now is through Arrakis, which is basically you know uh, emitting tokens to to LPs on on, on UniV3. It's like a uh, 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 five to ten times more capital efficient to be bribing on on Veladrome, right? And that's the sort of like crazy numbers and the the power of the flywheel that is actually a little tough to wrap your head around. And so like a, another thing that we've, I think learned in this experiment is like, there was no Danny there, right? To explain, you know, all of this, you know, to the community, like to, to really help protocols and individuals understand how to participate uh, in the system. And likewise, because we've also entered a bear market, crypto Twitter that would ordinarily, you know, be writing all these threads and all this sort of stuff has, has gone a little quiet. And so, you know, it's fallen on, on us to, you know, run these numbers, have conversations with protocols, say, look, how much are you spending here? All right, how much liquidity are you getting? Okay, let's show you exactly what that can look like on Velodrome. And that's why um, if you look at the, the numbers on bribes, if you look at the number of total pools on, on Optimism, um, if you look at sort of voting APRs, it's just been aligned up and up and up. Um, and that is why Optimism brought us in, because they want that sort of flywheel feeding not only the existing protocols, right, that were struggling 
with deep liquidity at, at value without diluting themselves, but also to onboard, you know, all the economic activity that will sustain optimism for the long term. And uh, I would say there really aren't many major projects in crypto that, you know, we're not currently in DMs with who are in some point of transition uh, to, to come over to optimism. So it's like a, it's a super exciting sort of place to be right now. Man, I love it. I love it. All right. So you, you throw the word flywheel around a lot. I think you did a really good job on explaining that flywheel. And so with the emissions, and I remember over, you know, when this all happened on Phantom, farming and going, this can't be right. Like I was on SolidX going, wait a minute, what's going on right now? Like it was just straight up printing money. But, you know, that ended very quickly. Uh, and I think... Now, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys don't have like that convex layer over on Optimism, right? It's interacting with Velodrome specifically. And I, I feel like that simplified things probably a lot uh, in the sense that like, you know, what really pissed people off is when they locked their VE NFT with uh, SolidX and they got solid sex and then it, it totally broke peg and never went back to peg and everyone's going, wow, I got screwed, you know, and and you know where they put that that anger? They put it towards solidly, but really it didn't belong there. It belonged it belonged on the guys you gave the the NFT to. So, all right, man, I'm so happy to hear you guys having that level of success. And there's there's just so much within the protocol that the idea was right, and you guys are proving that the idea was right. And hopefully, from here, you know, people are going to look back and go, "Shit, these guys they were the POC. They were the real POC that this could be something." And How's your experience been building on optimism? I mean, as as a you know a layer two network uh, that has been heavily incentivizing, which is great. Like, there's such a nice rush, and they've had the balls to do it in a bear market. Good for them, man. Like, what what's it been like building over there? How have you found it to be? Oh, it's amazing. I, I mean, I, I yeah, I think um, yeah. I mean, like you know, one the the tech is is really cool. Um, you know, I think Optimism's one of those uh, teams that um, I believe you know just have like a ton of uh, people from like the the core Ethereum team too, um, and just very aligned. I think with uh, you know the the broader kind of like core Ethereum uh, vision and, and sort of like values, um, which you know also translates I think to uh, just like the general kind of like builder culture there. Like I think um, you know all the teams that we're talking to all the um, you know, and, and, you know, both teams that were already on optimism before we, we, we arrived and, and teams that are like kind of coming over now, um, are all just like very, very like long-term aligned, um, you know, know that crypto is like one of these things that, you know, does have a lot of volatility, but, you know, is, is, uh, you know, should, I guess, like have a general kind of like, um, uh, sort of like perspective in, in the long term and, and I think um yeah just uh overall I, I know I'm saying long term a lot but it it truly is um you know one of those ecosystems that I think um just everyone kind of like in it like knows what uh we're kind of like building towards and, and I think it's like really respectful for you know when the token price like doesn't go up like two X every day and and um you know <laughs> yeah I actually think that you know they obviously chose the name optimism for some reason. I, I'm not quite sure, but it's, it's a pretty good, 
it's a pretty good frame for for what it feels like uh you know working with the foundation i mean the, the foundation gave us you know a 150k grant um to to bootstrap uh velodrome to to bring it over um but i mean anybody who's built in DeFi knows that that's not a ton of money <laughs> so what what they've given us though is incredible support and you know if there are any other projects who are thinking about coming over to optimism um highly recommend it because the foundation is going to be incredibly supportive um uh, they will give you time they will give you resources they will connect you to anybody else on the network uh they truly are like positive sort of some thinkers um there's a really interesting experiment underway in terms of how optimism is going to govern itself right um there's a large uh, amount of op tokens that are set aside for grants those grants are given sort of through the optimism governance governance process um and anybody can come in and apply and so one reason why i think we're seeing this sort of boom in activity is any project or protocol uh generally best practices to get deployed on optimism then submit a grant proposal with with how you want to sort of use that money and that's going to make it very easy for you to sort of like jump start uh your your protocol uh on the ecosystem but it's it's decentralized governance that i think is like very true to the spirit of ethereum and it's why you have people like vitalik who have publicly sort of praised it right like they seem to be trying to do it um the right way and then i'll also say right and we hinted at this a little bit at the beginning if if phantom went full on pvp you know if if it if it started to really veer into um toxicity uh optimism has felt like the exact opposite of that that these protocols truly do feel like we're all in this together you know we want optimism to be a great place how do we support one another you know we talk to our our partner protocols um every day we had a poker tournament a while back you know that was a lot of fun um so i think it's i think it's a great great space to to build and definitely you know i'll just put the the shout out if any protocols are looking to to come over or are interested even feel free to hit a hit us up first we've helped multiple protocols kind of with their governance proposals we've helped them navigate the ecosystem we've connected them to partners so just know we're trying to live, live that optimistic ethos as well yeah Boom. I, <laughs> i would i would also add that uh you see the results right you on on optimism even though it's a bear market we're seeing all the big names from from mainnet coming onto optimism they're sort of choosing optimism as their layer two. perhaps they'll choose other layer twos as well but we already see a lot of interest and they're very i mean if they haven't deployed already they're very close to to deploying on on optimism and this is something that perhaps you wouldn't see on 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 uh, you know alternative layer ones even after they have launched their incentive programs or in some other L2s they have also tried to do the same here they've been very very successful at attracting the big names um which is kind of setting the foundation right like even though it's it's a bear market it's a tough place uh, you know maybe a tough timing to to be betting big uh on on crypto but you know next bull market as a you know as as soon as it comes around you know we're pretty confident that optimism will be a really good place to be in let's go i love hearing that man you know i was getting early on vibes you know cuz when when networks are new 
And it's like, damn, we're all in this for the success of the network, man. That is a good place to be. And, you know, just hearing the way that you interact with other protocols on with, with Velodrome specifically kind of puts me of the thinking that you guys have a, the, this unique ability to potentially be the hub that brings a lot of these other protocols together uh, due to interacting with them so often. And so not to take a weird turn or anything, <laughs> but I'm gonna... Uh, because there was, <laughs> so there was, I, I'm in the gym the other day and, and so prior to this, like I heard, you know, oh man, you know, the Velo guys had some money, take another wallet, uh, and fuck, you know, you never like hearing stuff like that. And, and, I'm and I'll, of course, Twitter, I have everyone on notification. So my phone's just constantly, and, and I have you guys on notification and I, I saw the statement and I went. No fucking way. Like, is it, is it April fools? What's going on? So the, and the statement basically read that we we've identified the person that took the money out of our wallet. Uh, it was Gabagool who we've referenced earlier was the founder of information token. Dow was on the Velodrome team was on the VE Dow team. I actually came on my show, uh, once moons ago. Can, can you guys give me like, the back end view of what really went down, like the stuff that you don't read on Twitter, if you don't mind. Yeah. 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 Ha happy to take a shot at this and I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it sort of from, from my perspective. So uh, I woke up in, uh, in Dublin with 102 degree fever because uh, I was uh, sick, sick with COVID overseas. Absolutely no fun. Uh, opened up, opened up Discord, you know, as I, as I do one, one eye open, slightly delirious. Um, uh, and we had a community member, lucky timing, uh, who basically said, Hey guys, uh, I think the EOA wallet is breached. And, uh, just to give a little bit of context, uh, we basically had two primary wallets. We had our sort of main wallet, which was a, a multi-sig wallet. Um, this is where, you know, all the sort of primary funds uh, of the protocol lift. Um, and uh, that's where the optimism grant is. You know, that's where protocols who were uh, sending us bribes to help distribute. Uh, it's where they were sending things. But we had this separate EOA wallet uh, whose intention was really just to make it easy for our protocol uh, and team members to vote with their VE NFTs because we've got a bunch of the NFTs. It's a very time consuming process to do that sort of voting. And then it uh, also makes it easier for like uh, payments and distribution of, of salaries and things like that. One person could do that versus needing, you know, five people online at, at any given moment. Now, the intention with that wallet had always been that there shouldn't be too much money in there, right? It should just be for these operational needs. Um, but it got away from us a little bit because those BE NFT positions were generating fees. Um, money was sort of piling up there. We had every intention to eventually migrate it back. We hadn't gotten around to it. Um, so a bit more money than uh, should have been there uh, was on there and uh, woke up to it basically uh, being drained. And that process looked like withdrawing a few LPs, swapping the assets to ETH, bridging those assets to mainnet, throwing them in Tornado. Um, so this was, I mean, to be honest, a, a horrifying experience. And the money that was fundamentally being stolen here was money set aside for team salaries. You know, this was essentially stealing team funds. There were no user funds affected. Protocol was in no way affected. 
but this was just going to make our runway a bit more complicated. It wasn't going to end the protocol by, by any means or, you know, force us to work for free, but it wasn't going to make paying everybody uh, easier. But basically what we did uh, right away, I mean, within hours of after we had moved everything else that was in that wallet out, right? We were sure that, you know, everything else was secure. A group of team members who did not have direct access to that wallet, right? They were not sort of folks who could have potentially been a part of any exploit, uh, began an investigation. They worked uh, not only together, uh, firewalled from those of us who were on the wallet, but worked with a number of, of external parties as well. And pretty quickly, I would say, after uh, the attack, they realized that this was very sloppy um, and that there was a lot of evidence um, on chain. There was a lot of evidence sort of uh, within our own product uh, because they were uh, he actually ended up swapping some of the stuff through Velodrome that they felt pretty confident that they were going to be able to figure out who this was. Um, still didn't know if it was necessarily a team member, could have been, you know, somebody who was hacked, um, could have been, you know, somebody who had access to a machine, but they basically spent a week and I think, frankly, were, were barely sleeping, you know, with, with how rigorous they were going at this. Uh, to try to identify who who the attacker was. And very quickly, the evidence was adding up um, that it was likely Gabagool. And there were a few sort of conversations, I would say, where uh, they began to sort of not confront him quite yet, but to indicate, you know, that, that they were onto him, get more information. And then eventually it resulted in him uh, confessing um, him uh, beginning to uh, return funds. Um, and uh, then, of course, with the, that sort of final uh, disclosure that we did in, in identifying him as the attacker. And, you know, while we haven't publicly shared all, all of the, the evidence, um, uh, I think, you know, at some point there will probably be like a, a larger dossier, but I know the initial reaction to our disclosure was no fucking way, right? No fucking way it's Gabagool. And, and like, I can tell you personally, and I'm sure I speak for Tao and Cool, we went through the same stages of grief. I mean, I was still sick with COVID uh, for another week and Gabba, after having done this attack, was reaching out to me and being like, hey man, how are you doing? You know, I'm so sorry it's this happening to you, you know, happening to you and to us. It's like, sending you love right and i had to go through this exercise of the same guy who pulled me into veto uh the same guy who's like acting like he you know like he cares about me loves me it's the same guy who uh has basically put our entire project you know months and months and months tireless work at at risk and so thankfully you know he made that public disclosure and i think that um, close the book for for folks and and those who are skeptical initially and and like I said I think eventually uh, more will will come out here but the net net of course is that that we ended up I think getting quite lucky and that all the funds uh, were returned um, in their original form um, so no disruption you know to to our overall operations. Uh, but it's also an opportunity for us to, to grow up uh, a bit, you know, that EOA wallet should have never gotten to the, the place that it was. 
we will no longer be using EOA wallets. Instead, we get together for an hour or two every day, do 100 multi-sig transactions, and that'll be the kind of thing that we will do uh, uh, moving forward. But yeah, it's been a wild ride. So I don't know, Tao, Pool, you have anything you would add to that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, just, you know, now it's been a, a few weeks, uh, which has given me some, some time to process. Um, so maybe a bit more of, of the history of Gala. So, so he sort of like raised, I would say, to, to fame, quote unquote, on Twitter after having uh, identified sort of like the Ribbon Sybil attack when Ribbon dropped their, their token. Uh, he realized one of the funds that, that were participating had actually taken advantage of the fact that they were going to do an airdrop and perhaps using some, you know, inside information to, to tweak the, the mechanics or, or to exploit the mechanics and get more tokens. Um, and he created this um, persona of, you know, being highly ethical. Uh, you know, IT was founded on, on, those, on those terms as well as a, as a highly ethical DAO that was going to do the things in the, in the right way in, within crypto. And to be honest, I think it was very impactful. Uh, you know, information token, again, it is a really cool DAO. We do have that mentality that was ingrained into the culture of the, of the DAO. Uh, VDAO as, as well was working under those same kind of that's that same kind of mindset mindset velodrome as well um, and to be honest Gaba was really he was a good leader at, at you know and he, he throughout the history of interacting with him perhaps that's why we were so surprised he was always a thoughtful person kind person really uh, easy to interact with uh, good at creating kind of like a nice environment a nice team you know nice team bonds you know he you know, again, very, very, really good at personal relationships. Um, I, I don't want to speculate as to why he went onto this path of trying to get these funds. Um, there is some evidence that perhaps he was, you know, he was, he had lost some money and was trying to make it up for it. But um, overall, I would say the the values that he had put forth from the start, even though perhaps he didn't stick to them uh, over over time, and, you know, and I, as Alex mentioned, there has been some clues that he hadn't been straight up uh, on other occasions as well in the past. But the values that he had put front uh, are still very much kind of like the values by which InfoToken and, and Realdrome uh, kind of operate. So I would say that the image that he put forward, and that's perhaps why nobody believed that it was him. Um, are still very, very valuable. And, and to be honest, um, really good guiding principles. Um, and unfortunately for him now, he sort of, for his own persona and his own um, kind of appearance within crypto or, or the opportunity to build within crypto, he kind of uh, flushed it away, right? By, by following this path. Um, so, you know, I guess at this point, I've sort of like um, kind of again processed it and, and for, forgive the guy, he, the, the funds are, quote unquote back, we still have to figure out, you know, uh, whether we can actually use them. But, um, you know, that's why it was so surprising for everyone. You know, Gabagool had built up this this cool persona that, that we all enjoyed. And, and uh, you know, in a day to day interaction, he really was uh, a nice, a nice guy, quote unquote. So again, you never know, of course, um, we, we, as Alex mentioned, we should have been a bit safer, you know, kept a little bit, I mean, we're operating on, on a lot of trust and that's still how we operate within the team. We really trust each other. Um, and, and that's really why we can 
also move fast, right? Because we know we can trust each other. Now we have some basics uh, on security as well, just to make sure. But honestly, we, we have a great, great team dynamic that was born from all this trajectory that, that had started from, from the very, from the very early days. Um, so that's still alive. Uh, sorry for, for Gaba that he had to go on this path, but you, we still kind of operate on the same level. And, and as Alex mentioned, we, there was very little disruption from our side other than the full kind of surprise and, and those couple of weeks of researching and whatnot. And it's funny because the, the three of us in this call were actually also the ones that had access to the, to the wallet. So we were the ones that were separated while the investigation was ongoing. All the suspects. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Pool, did you want to <laughs> did you want to jump in there, buddy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. One thing I, I just want to add to that, um, you know, I think probably didn't get as much uh, public, um, I guess, like distribution on is, uh, and and Tao was kind of alluding to this, like towards the end, is um, you know, the the funds that went into Tornado, right? Um, you know, or I guess, yeah, like that, that whole attack um, and like the, the redistribution of the funds um, were all happening around the time when, uh, you know, OFAC's like sanctioned uh, tornado cash, right? And so, you know, at the time, like, you know, we're sitting here, we're like, oh shit, like, you know, our funds are gone. Then we find out it's Gabba who did it. We figure out that like, I, I can't remember if he like, he might've like tornadoed it um, like the day or like, two days right after like the sanctions came on and so then we're thinking oh shit like you know Gava's like this great guy and like obviously like you know it's not great that he that he stole the funds but like this guy is like not you know he's he's not he's not some like guy who's gonna go spend like 40 years in jail right like that that's like pretty crazy at least you know to, to think about when we hadn't really like processed everything yet and then you know and then like you know a week or two later when when we you know confront him he like starts returning the funds um he sent it to like one of our team members, uh, just like public wallets, right? And then and then all of a sudden that wallet's tainted, and and oh, then we're shit. just like, you know, can we accept these funds? Can we not accept them? Like, you know, we have to go to like OFAC and get like some some like exemption or something, and like that's gonna be a whole process. And it was just very like, I don't know, like at at the same time, like everyone on CT is like freaking out. They're like, oh my god, like you know, we're all we're all going to jail or you know something is going on. <laughs> And here we are just like, yeah, we, we actually have like this issue, like everyone else is kind of chilling, but we, we actually have to go and figure out like what, what the deal here is. Yeah, we have a, a quarantine, we call it the quarantine multi-sig now with those funds and just kind of waiting to see what we can do with them. So still in, in a way they haven't, they haven't even come back yet. And his timing was really uncanny. It was, I think as pool types mentioned, I think it was like literally Two days after he tornado cashed the funds, the, the sanctions came out. So it was like perfect timing. Oh man, unbelievable. Can can you guys hear me right now? Am yeah. I coming? Okay, cool. Sorry, my AirPods were going dead. Uh, so anyhow, well, so as you were talking, so I went through my own like experience with this too, because somebody did something on a public level that was just so completely incongruent with uh, what my impression of this person was and it and the thing that it really brought to mind when reading his uh his confession i guess uh is that there you know if that is in fact what happened and somebody went from you know such a bright future to being willing to piss it away that the amount of struggle 
that he must have been experiencing when the market took a downturn was really significant. It reminded me that there's a lot, you know, he's not the only person that is struggling like this when the markets take a downturn. Like there are people behind these computer screens. Um, and, you know, as like I've had a shit ton of times in my life where I've done really, 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 really dumb shit, you know, um, and, and maybe to a fault. Like I, I always tend to, want to think the best of people like and, and sometimes that's gotten me in trouble especially in this space where i've you know just been unwilling to believe that somebody did something that just didn't make sense but every time i had an interaction with him he was kind he was this school teacher dude uh he just he took the punches and kept rolling you know and so um i had my own little process you know that i went through with that so but so you guys are still up in the air as to whether or not you actually did get the funds back or you got a sanction, basically. Right? Uh, yeah, we're, we're working with the lawyers right now. It, it looks good um, uh, to the extent. I mean, everybody right now is like figuring out, you know, what it means to have any address or, or token or, or whatever associated with, with Tornado Cash. Um, but we're working with uh, a, a team of lawyers who's, helping us, you know, ensure that we're, we're buttoned up here one way or the other. It, it does look like, uh, we'll be in good shape. Um, at least so far, you know, I think the, the law here is actively being defined. Um, but yeah, that was one of the major stressors, right. Even after we got it back, uh, was, you know, will we be able to actually put this, put this money to use? Hmm. So have you guys had any contact with GABA since this all went down or was it just a break, a clean break? So I think a pretty clean break. We were in communication with him, um, obviously through the sort of returning of funds. And as soon as we had uh, the sort of funds returned and of course information token was going through a similar exercise because there was uh, a lot, you know, on that side that also needed to be, uh, just secured. Um, but I think as soon as the public disclosure went, went live, um, this communication, uh, you know, ceased to, insofar as I know, um, with, with anybody on the team. Yeah. Maybe awesome. just, uh, one, one additional other news that we got over time was that, so, you know, the, some of the VLO tokens that we're going to go back to information token for being the, the DAO that incubated the project. Uh, Gaba had gotten them early on and he had tried to trade with them. And unfortunately he sold the, like the peak of the bottom of, of Velo when it was early on. Um, and he ended up returning those funds in, in USDC, but, um, you know, at, at a fraction at what they would be worth today. Uh, so he's also now out of info token. Um, you know, and again, as you say, something, you know, he had a really good trajectory. If he had just coasted, not played with trying to trade himself um, in, you know, perhaps whatever he was trying to do on, on his personal time, but he, he already had everything. He had a platform. He had a successful project like Velodrome. He had a successful DAO under his name. You know, he, the doors would have been open in the next cycle as well. But, you know, again, kind of like who knows what kind of, what went through his head, what he was doing during the bear cycle or the, the major crashes, of course, as you say, that, that must have been, that must have affected him. But at the end, he ended up kind of throwing it all out uh, by, by trying to get away and kind of also a, a sort of dumb way, right? But 
um, that that's I don't know that that's how I guess um, so some people end up operating in, in the worst of times. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, he's, he's now not part of InfoToken anymore either. Yeah, reputation is is it's difficult to quantify the the value of, of reputation and. And reputation is really, really hard one, but it is very easily lost, very easily mm-hmm. lost. And uh, clearly, for whatever reason, um, he made a, a massive, massive uh, mistake. And I think, um, you know, part of the initial reaction folks had is like, how could he make this much of a mistake for, you know, 350K? Um, but people aren't always rational, right? Um, uh, people make, make mistakes and yeah, all it takes is, is one big one, um, to lose it all. But that's always been, I think that the core ethos of, of like of this, this group and this team, you know, in VDAO, uh, we got called, uh, you know, scammers or, or liars repeatedly, but you wouldn't believe the amount of time that we would spend debating, uh, the ethics of, of like any particular decision. And, you know, we got the deal, you know, optimism brought us in, uh, in no small part because of our positive reputation and, and the entire solidly shit show, right? Like they saw us as, as somebody who emerged with our, our reputation intact. And uh, it's what we're trying to do with, with Velodrome as well. You know, we know a lot of people play this space fast and loose we know a lot of people are are maybe in it for the quick, quick buck um, and to move on. Um, we will only win, you know. We will only make it if Velodrome wins, and everybody is part of Velodrome wins. And Velodrome only really wins if, if Optimism wins. And so that's why we are such uh, ecosystem maxis. And um, what hurts so much about this is, given the care we have put into every intention and action, trying to play above board trying to do the right thing. You know, we had this guy do everything wrong. Um, but honestly, the reaction we've gotten from optimism from our partner protocols has been uh, uh, amazing. You wouldn't believe the number of stories we've gotten. It feels like so many of the partner protocols, like we thought they'd come to us and say, hey guys, we're really worried, you know, about this, you know, like like what's going on over there. But the more common response is like, yeah, we went through this kind of thing before. So like, we're, we're like, like, we've been there. We're so sorry. Like you'll, you'll get through it. Don't worry. Like it yeah. hurts that that's in the, in the space, but um, you know, it, it speaks to there just as many bad intention criminal people just trying to like get theirs out of the system. There are truly a lot of people who are here to, to build, to do good things, to, to grow the pie. Um, all, all of the stuff that I think a lot of us really believe in. Well, thank you guys so much for, for sharing that with me. I know that was a hell of a thing to go through, especially on a public level. Uh, but I appreciate you guys getting down to it. So, all right. So we've been, we've been on for oh, exactly an hour and a half right now. Appreciate you guys sticking with me. What is, what are the future plans for Velodrome? Like where, where do you see this going Anything you can drop uh, for people that, you know, now they're intimately familiar with you guys if they watch this thing for the last 90 minutes. So uh, what what can you share about the future plans of Velodrome? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess there's a couple of things that, uh, that we have, um, you know, planned. But, um, you know, I think the, 
the most exciting one might be uh, essentially this, um, I guess like our version of like a, a convex layer, but it, it really like won't be a convex layer, I guess. Um, like I think, you know, from what we've seen in like the curve and, and the convex ecosystem also with like solidly and solid X and how those played out, um, you know, we kind of see like this, this sort of like, uh, uh, fragmentation of like value accrual on like all of those platforms, right? And like uh, I think when we initially launched Velodrome, um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure was um, that there wouldn't really be a need to create this like liquid, uh, you know, kind of like locking derivative, right? That um, you know, essentially this like convex uh, type of token um, to like maximize the the LP yields and and um, uh, you know, kind of like aggregate vote power and and all that. Um, you know, that said, I think, uh, we do see a lot of, um, you know, especially like retail investors, um, and, you know, these kind of like, uh, like whales that, that are bought into our system. Um, but, you know, don't really want to like be actively voting or kind of like want to have like an automated strategy to, to do that. And so, um, you know, we've been talking to a couple of teams and, and, you know, we're, we're also kind of like working on. Uh, our own plans for that um, to to basically yeah just sort of create this uh, kind of solution sort of on top of Velodrome but also kind of a part of Velodrome uh, that's going to allow for this um, you know sort of like passive voting strategy that you know can still perform really well. Amazing. Anything else you guys want to yeah, chime I, in? Yeah, I mean, I will say we also have uh, you know if, if anybody's rel relatively new hasn't been you know, following things close, we have a number of, of new partners uh, incoming, um, all, all sort of expected to to bribe for liquidity. So people like Synapse, Beefy, Rocket Pool, Lido, Abracadabra, um, just kind of a, a ton of new partners um, who are in the process of, of basically just starting their their both layer two and, and optimism strategies. So it's going to be even just for the core protocol, it's going to be, I think, a, a pretty great uh, a month or two here as, as some of these folks we've been working with for a while to onboard, get onboarded to, to layer two. Yeah, and, and perhaps I would just add, um, you know, who knows what kind of cycle we're going to get next. Um, may not be the, the same kind of like sped up bull cycle that we got the last time, but I would definitely say that optimism is in a really good position. Again, has a kind of like is building the foundations. Has a lot of the top protocols coming onto it. Uh, a, a really good team behind it. Good governance process. So just keep an eye on the on the ecosystem. Vildrome is designed to sort of work with with its mechanics between incentives, um, kind of like the the emission schedule. Everything it's designed to be around basically forever. Right. Uh, it's a very sustainable model. So if optimism, if we see the growth of optimism, Velodrome is going to be in a really good place to grow with it um, and to attract the different protocols that we want to launch or deploy into the network. So it is really a, a good spot um, for, for the next cycle. So I would, I would just, um, I would, I would say that it, it's a really good place to keep an eye on the, the, the optimism ecosystem. And of course, uh, the whole narrative around layer twos it feels like it's been, you know, in, in crypto, it, months sometimes feel like days. Um, so it, it feels like it's, it's or, or, or vice versa as well, right? It, sometimes it could be, it feels like it's forever. So um, the layer two narrative feels like it's been around for a while. But to be honest, 
from my point of view, it's barely getting started. You know, we, we see a lot of other layer tools as well that are, are going with it. And the way I see it is, you know, again, that it's a whole ecosystem that, that grows together. Um, there is, of course, a little bit of competition between ecosystems, between protocols. But at the, at the end of the day, if crypto grows, we all grow with it. So, um, again, I would say just keep, just keep an, an eye on the network. It's in a really good spot. Um, so I, I hopefully we get a little bit of respite from, from the macro environment. But uh, it'll be a good place to sort of continue playing. And, and Velodrome as a protocol is, is a fun one to, uh, to, to try to get yield out of. So. Um, just, uh, just, I, I would just say it, it, again, a good place to, to not lose attention to. Gentlemen, amazing. So if you're looking for a respite from the bear market, bridge some funds over to Optimism. If you're not there already, check out Velodrome. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being candid and answering the questions and, and just, you know, getting down on a human level, man. It means a lot to me. Probably one of the favorite interviews that I've ever done. And I, I just appreciate you guys being here. Uh, for everyone watching, do me a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel. That's how you can best support us here at Block Bytes. My name's Austin, and thank you for joining us for Beyond the Block. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Later. Oh.